Today is Wednesday, November 17th. The title for our devotional is Story of Reconstruction, Prosperity, or Generosity. For the devotional today, let's simply read the words of Jesus again in Luke 12 as we covered earlier in this campaign. And a big part of his broader teaching on how we should think about money. Then again, as we're doing this week, we'll hear a story of reconstruction. Luke 12, 13 to 34. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me a judge or arbiter between you? Then he said to them, Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. And he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, What shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, This is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones, and there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, You have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, You fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich toward God. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life and what you will eat, or about your body what you will wear. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothes. Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable you are than birds. Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to your life? Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? Consider how the wildflowers grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you, you of little faith? And do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it. For the pagan world runs after all such things, and your Father knows that you need them. But seek his kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your Father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out, a treasure in heaven that will never fail, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. For our story of reconstruction today, John interviewed Steve Jensen, who has worked in the financial industry and has a great perspective on how we can handle our wealth as members of the kingdom of God. Okay, hey everybody. I am here with Steve Jensen, and I'm going to let you, uh, him introduce himself in just a moment. But as we've been walking through our Reconstruct topic and getting into these these deeper conversations about it, uh, I reached out to him to, to share with us about, about finances navigating wealth, navigating money, financing, budgeting through a Christian lens. Steve, thank you so much for joining me. Why don't you tell everybody just a little bit about yourself, your background with with faith, with money, really whatever you sure. want to share. Yeah, thanks, John. Good to uh, be talking with you today. Uh, yeah, money is a big deal. Uh, it's a part of everyone's life. Uh, everyone has that uh, money in common. And I found that um, I guess I've been doing it professionally now for about 20 years working on helping people plan and navigate their, their finances, anything to do with money that touches their lives. I've uh, been involved with them. So starting uh, 
just talking a little bit about how your faith informs your approach, informs your sure. approach to, sure. you know, whether it's your personal finances, yeah. what you tell other people, whatever yeah. it is. Right. Yeah. So uh, faith personally, um, and I, I had the privilege of growing up as a missionary kid for the first part of my life. And, um, and also in the latter part of my life here, I've experienced what basically Paula experienced. And that is, I've known what it means to have nothing or, yeah. and I've known what it means to have an abundance yeah. and the, you know, very two different kinds of lifestyles that I've experienced. Uh, but all through that, and I think starting out with being in my family, it was, uh, generosity and gratitude were just two key themes. And I think our, our approach to money, um, and there's a book out that's called The Soul of Money. Mm. It's not written by a believer, uh, but she has a really good point about money that we tend to view money as this object. It's an object that you get. It's an object that you hold and it's an object that you spend and not recognizing that that is it's a means to something. Right. And so if you start out with a sense of gratitude for this thing that, that you know that you've received and want to turn around and give it away, mm-hmm. you have a very different outlook on how much of the stuff that you have mm-hmm. and what you actually do with it. So uh, even though a lot of times financial you know, advisors and debt counselors will start out with, you know, what's your budget? Mm-hmm. Uh, you really have to start out with this. What is this heart attitude that you have? How do you view view money? Right. And Christ actually gave a very uh, stark contrast about what this thing is. And when he said you can't serve God and mammon, yeah, we typically think of as you can't serve God and money. Mm-hmm. Well, mammon in Scripture actually was the name of a personal name. Mm-hmm. So you have both in Proverbs and then in the words of Christ, he, he names this thing as mammon, which actually was a spirit. There's a spirit of greed, consumption, um, grasping, and you can't serve that mm-hmm. because you are serving, in essence, an idol right. in contrast with God. And so when, you, when you're reconstructing what you view your lifestyle to be, mm-hmm. when you realize, okay, I'm making a choice between God yeah. and this idol— Mm-hmm. That's a whole different conversation between versus I'm serving God or my budget or God right. or what I want to get. Okay, suddenly, oh, this makes it personal, and Satan's involved in that personal aspect of mammon, and I don't want to go there. And then a- after having established, okay, who's in charge of this thing? And, of course, stewardship is the word that we use yep. you know, in, in our realm um, then it does come down to some, you know, some basic things that are universal, whether you're a believer or not. Uh, you can't spend more than you earn. The math doesn't work. Right. Although, because the, the spirit of mammon says, I got to have that thing, there is a vehicle to get that thing called a credit card. So, you know, David Ramsey, for all the ways that he will yell at people on the phone, <laughs> yeah. the one good thing that he's really trying to drive home is yeah. you, you don't want to get into debt. You now not only worship that thing that you wanted, but now you're taught, you're, you've given your life over to it. Right. You're tied. You can't let go. You, you owe so that, that's a key principle. And then, you know, there's also this biblical principle that's, that's universal, and that is whatever you don't spend, uh, you need to save that. Mm-hmm. You need to set it aside. And those are principles that no matter who you are, you've you got to be able to operate in this culture in which we live in order to have a, I won't call it a successful life, but a peaceful life. You can't spend more than you earn. You need to save and invest. And beyond that, then for the believer is, okay, that's that's one part of stewardship. 
but what about this other part of stewardship that we get into, you know, the issue of generosity? Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's one of the key hallmarks that distinguishes uh, a person of faith from a person not of faith. What are the first fruits? Yeah. What do I do with this amount of money that he's given me? Mm-hmm. And uh, unfortunately, in our country, we really lack in that area when it comes to our culture and our and Christians within the culture. Yeah, and there's in church, there's a big challenge. I mean, I, I've said for years that people don't give to need, they give to growth. They want to know that yeah. what they're giving money that's going to go somewhere. Yeah. They view it very similarly to how they view the stock market or you sure. know something similar. Sure. Yeah. And there is an element of saying, I don't want to, I want to give wisely, mm-hmm. but um, we can over-prioritize growth, right? Yeah. And we know, um, we know we can raise money for another wing to the building mm-hmm. in a way that we can't for something more discipleship-based or something mm-hmm. like that, right? Yeah. And so there's big cultural challenges there. I always tell people, because people, I will get off and ask, like, hey, do I need to give 10%? What do I need to do? I think, um, and I don't believe that, that you know, I, I think tithe is a good, 10% is a good guidance, but I don't think right. it's, I don't think that's how we should apply that scripture. Right. By the way, I agree on that point. But um, I do think it's yeah, a good, it's a good, it's a great guide. It's a great guide, right? Yeah. And they, they said if every person who claims they're a Christian actually tithes, did the 10%. Yeah there would be an extra $139 billion available for <laughs> religious organizations in the U.S. Sure. So that that's the, the math behind it. Right. And when just purely on the math, you'd say, wow, great things could be accomplished. But again, it, it's not about the math. It's mm-hmm. okay. God's people. Where are you in your heart? Right. Yeah. yeah and I think um, our church, we're not starting a building campaign or something. So yeah. if you're listening to this, don't worry. That's not, <laughs> that's not the purpose of this conversation. I think if there's one thing that is going to be Lord of your life that isn't God, mm-hmm. it's probably going to be money. Yeah. And so if there's one thing you can do for your own spiritual formation, for your own discipleship, for your own um, abundant life in Christ, it's yeah. get get better yeah. at giving away the thing that so easily yeah. can, can take control of our lives. Yeah. You know, we get anxious about money. Yeah. And that's where Christ in the Sermon on the Mount, he's out overlooking the Sea of Galilee. And he's talking with people outside, and more birds would migrate over that particular area than any other place in the world. When he says, you know, consider the birds of the air yeah. and the lilies of the field. He's having people look at the abundance of God. Yeah. And we, we don't quite get that. We think it's scarcity. Yep. We think we have to grasp after every little thing. And when we get it, we've got to hold on to it. Yep. And God is like... No, I want you to know how generous I am. Yeah. And I want you to live the same way. Mm-hmm. And I don't want you to worry about this because worrying doesn't do anything for you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> At the end of the day, you've got an ulcer and you have less hair. Yeah. Uh, no, that's not why, John. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, but I, and I think that's where we our spiritual growth that you talked about, when we can be generous and recognize God's abundance and give it away, mm-hmm. we, we are able to see our faith grow. Yeah. And it's not the kind of faith where you would see, a, you know, a televangelist would say, hey, you know, send in your $1,000 and yeah. God's going to bless. Put, put it on your credit card. Yeah, right? you know, yeah. yeah. It's not that kind of a spirit, faith lesson. Right. It is, I let go, and maybe you end up with less by letting go. Yeah. But you know that you let go because God was a steward and God had given that to you and he prompted in your heart to give. And that that is enough. Yeah. There's a number of ways that churches over generations have, have abused the idea of spiritual blessing yeah. or going to heaven, right. you know, whether it's uh, prosperity teaching, indulgences, you know, there's there's yeah, lots yeah. of versions right. of it, right? Sure. 
And we certainly have to navigate that with faithfulness when we talk about what it means to be blessed to give um, and why living generously matters. One of the things we do at Life Bridge a lot is we try to encourage people to to give somewhere. You know, if it's the, yeah. it's more about what God's doing in your heart. Right. It's not always easy, but we try to trust that whatever God's doing at LifeBridge Church, mm-hmm. we believe He has the means to do it. Yeah. And if the resources, the financial resources, aren't there for us at any given time, that is in some way connected to what He's doing. It's easy to get into a manipulative space in church leadership when you're thinking about growing your church, et cetera. And so we try, we do really try to navigate that faithfully. But at the same time, we don't want to be apologetic about what we believe is a really good value to to live out for people at our church and believers everywhere, which is live generously, find yeah. ways right. to say, I'm not going to let money be the thing yeah. that runs my life. I'm going to give some of it away yeah. as an act of obedience, as an right. act of worship, as a way of saying, this is not the thing yeah. that yeah. Uh, that I value most. Right. What are some kind of key distinctives for you that stick out where you'd say, here's how your life maybe should look different when you're making these decisions as, yeah. as, as a Christian versus yeah. just anybody. Yeah. So like paying somebody, again, that principle of generosity is if I were an employer, I'm going to find out what the average wage is for that particular job. Yeah. And I'm going to, I want to bump that up. Right. I want to be generous. Now that employee perhaps needs to grow not only in their job or right. perhaps in some other job and say, yes, I want to use the talents and gifts that God has given me. I want to advance, but hey, this if this is the max that I can earn, mm-hmm. I want to make sure that that person has the ability to live and not go into debt and and um, you know force his family into a, a tough situation. So, I think think that's one way a, a a believer who's an employer or an owner of a business can live out those principles of generosity. Mm-hmm. I always come back to the the idea that a, a Christian who's been given an abundance, right? Mm-hmm that really the end result should be they can be wealthy, they can have nice yep. things, but there should be a clear element of sacrifice there in the sense that in terms of like uh, quality of life, if you want to call yep. what, however you want to, yep. they should be a couple rungs below where they quote unquote could be, right? right? right. Yep. And not, not, not because that's the rule, like, hey, I could have the million dollar house, but I'm a mm-hmm. Christian, so I'm only going to buy the $800,000 house or whatever. Yeah, yeah. But it's more about by the time you, by the time you give, by the time you build in margin so that you can say yes to what God's doing. And by the time you pay your employees a little bit more yeah. than you really need to, by the time you make all of those decisions with Christian values, the end result is going to be your lifestyle takes a little bit of a hit versus right. somebody who right. who doesn't do those things, yeah. right? So it, it all scales up, but the, sure. but the idea is you make decisions that are going to ultimately take something off the top of your lifestyle. Right. One last thing I want to do... I, because in our Reconstruct topic, we've been talking about blind spots um, or untrue beliefs, things mm-hmm. that people believe are in the Bible that aren't. Uh, they're yeah, not yeah. there at all, or they're yeah. misinterpreted, or sure. or um, blind spots that people have, things that it's more their personality, so they're like, right and wrong is this, yeah. but that's really more them than it is Scripture, for instance. And so what we're trying to do is we're trying to help people uncover those things, uncover their untrue beliefs, the lies that they believe, uncover their blind spots, replace those with the truth of Jesus Christ. And so practically, I just jotted down five examples of somebody that might, what their blind spots might be around money. So the first one I wrote down was a quote unquote self-made millionaire. And and I I think what I would picture then is someone who's self-made basically is as someone who's built their own business. I mean, an yeah. entrepreneur is typically what we think of when we think of a self-made right. millionaire. Okay. First generation wealth, right? right? Yeah. Right. Um, 
I think, you know, in those cases, a uh, someone who's making themselves, especially during those first, let's say, five years, mm-hmm. um, you know, you second mortgage on the house, took out all the money from your retirement fund. Right. You, know, you, you ate hot dogs, you know, five days a week. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you've maxed out every credit card that you have. And yep. you are grasping day after day to make this business run. And finally, you get to that five, fifth and sixth year and you know, things are secure and you get into your 10th and 15th year and the blind spot can be, first of all, I did this. Yeah. Even though you started out with prayer when you first started the business, <laughs> sure, sure, sure. by the time you're sixth and 10th year, yep. you're like, yeah, I, I am the self-made guy. Mm-hmm. And the second thing that can happen is you suddenly start to get really graspy because you don't want to lose this thing. Mm-hmm. You work so hard to get to this point. Right. Control over over it becomes the issue mm-hmm. and not only the control over how the money gets spent but even control of let's say the business itself right and you know lawyers and accountants will tell you how hard it is for succession planning in a family business yeah to go from dad to son or dad to daughter mm-hmm. and you know the the guy never wants to give up control you know he's in his 80s and he still wants to run the business yeah. because he can't let go even though the business is successful and the the son or the daughter could do a great job. Sure. And that becomes a blind spot and they just can't, they can't quite see that because they can't let go of control. Yeah. And it's, that's the identity piece, right? Like when, when something's your baby, quote unquote, how people talk about it. Sure. I mean, it's a different thing and it's a much less lucrative thing, but I've experienced that with planting a church, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, it, it feels, it feels like yours in a way that isn't always healthy. Yeah. Um, nobody else has that same relationship with it, right? right? And so right. that so yeah. it's easy to get into that same space sure. of, of control, and yeah. and then if if that's the thing that that's where your wealth came from, it can all sort of be connected. Yeah. That's really good. Second one, uh, a, a politically progressive Christian. I think one of the blind spots can be there are so many good things that need to happen in our culture, and so much bad stuff that has happened that. With our money, we can immediately embrace those things that, you know, have bothered us and sometimes not be discerning about what direction that good thing is taking, what the philosophy is of those folks that are that are promoting this good thing. And that's, I think, one of the difficulties that progressive Christians are having right now is what does the Bible say? Yeah. What really is the truth? Not what do I think Jesus felt about things. Sure. But truly, what is that, you know, the, the 66 books all combined together, what is truly the heart of God in the matter, rather than this sounds like what social justice should look like? I think sometimes in progressivism, there's a, there's a lot of ability to point out problems. I don't know if you saw the Elon Musk Twitter thing the other day. Mm-hmm. Someone said, like, basically, Elon Musk is selfish. He could, he could solve world hunger with mm-hmm. all his money if he wanted to. Mm-hmm. And Elon Musk tweeted back, oh, yeah. essentially, like, Show me the show me the plan and how the money is going to be tracked, and, and I'll right? sell all yeah. my stock, right? Right. Yeah. And I do think that it's easy to it's easy to point the finger at the people with all the money, yeah. and you know that's not to say there aren't wealthy progressives. There are plenty of them. Yeah. But I, I do think there's a lot of people who have money on that level who can really make a difference and who really have wrestled with some of those things and, and come to the conclusion that the answers aren't quite so simple. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And and so for us coming from a worldview that believes in a sinful human nature, there has to be some recognition of it might not be just, it might not be as simple as the wealthy people are the bad Bad people. people, Right. right? Yeah. And does get back to that hard, hard issue Mm -hmm. where is 
personal responsibility that mm-hmm. each individual has and how do you balance that with the social responsibility that all of us have to care for our brother and sister because mm-hmm. and that's the problem i think that the by contrast the conservative christian has is yeah hey i took care of myself you should be able to take care of yourself right that's not right that's not life people come into circumstances mm-hmm. not of their own making and do not have opportunities that that other person who's got wealth or who has, you know, is comfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's what Francis Schaeffer spoke to. He said, look, we live in a culture where Christian values are two things. It's personal peace and affluence. Yep. Conservative Christians can get really tempted to say, I'm, I'm at peace. I've got what I need. Yep. Why can't the rest of you yeah. get on board? Right. This, this is what God wants for your life. Right. And, you know, Schaefer is saying, no, 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 that's not what the values of Christian life is about. I haven't heard that Schaefer quote, but that's great. Yeah. I think in sometimes in maybe liberal places, the goal isn't that different. They want affluence and personal peace as well, yeah. but they, they, are, they have a different way of putting their mind at ease, mm-hmm. yeah. right? So in a, yeah. in a, a politically conservative person yeah. um, might say, this is not my problem. You know, I took the risk to make my money. Right. They just need to pull themselves up by their bootstraps. A politically liberal person or progressive person might ultimately in their behavior not do much differently, but they can say, well, I voted for this. They have a different way of putting their mind at ease, yep. but the life they're actually living is very similar, which right. it's pursuit of affluence, right? Sure. You talked about that r- responsibility thing of someone who who doesn't have, right? Mm-hmm. They're They've never, um, they weren't born into a privileged position, right? Mm -hmm. They can look around and say like, look, my circumstances are not my fault Mm -hmm. and who's going to help me. Yeah. So that's like the not my fault camp. Right. And then the the conservative camp would be the not my problem camp. I figured it out for me. You got to figure it out for you, right? Right. There's a tension there, but there's truth in both. Right. And then there's error in both as well. Right. And that's where I think one of the things that the church at large has faulted on, uh, especially the evangelical church in America. Yeah. Uh, every sermon that someone would hear on Acts chapter 2, when it talked about, you know, they all listen to the apostles yep. teach and they pray and then they shared things in common. There's this independent, uh, in- individualistic, capitalistic viewpoint of mm-hmm. American Christians that kind of pulls back on that part of the verse. Yeah, they're like, eh, it's oh, not, that not, sounds like, that's nah. not our cult. Yeah, that doesn't apply to that's, us. Yeah. It's like, time out. When we think about the body of Christ. Yeah. Those two di- dynamics that you talked about, not not my fault, not my problem. Yeah. Well, it when we're in a body of Christ, here's the perfect opportunity for those two people, in, mm-hmm. in essence, to come together. And it, there's responsibility on two parts. There is the responsibility for us to say, hey, what do you need? Right. I have, God gave me this. I've right. got plenty. What do you need? Right. The responsibility on the other person's part is to actually communicate I have a need. And what has happened in evangelical Christian cultures is that the people that would articulate that they have a need, they've seen the abundance and they've seen the affluence and they've heard this message from people to say, hey, it's not my problem. Right. So they're not going to talk about it. They will go and they'll go to the world to say, hey, I have a problem. Yes. Can you help me out with this payment, et cetera? But we've not established a dialogue in the church where we don't have shame come into the room. Mm Mm-hmm to be able to honestly help people yeah. and to have them honestly say, I need help. Yeah. And I, you know, I, I think there's a place for somebody to wake, you know, stand up in either the pulpit or a church sometime and say, Hey guys, if any of you are having an issue with debt right now, yeah, come talk to me. Yeah. Let's figure it out. Yeah. 
and and see what happens. There's shame around it, yeah. right? And there's yeah. a, people are are not going to ask for help in those areas yeah. in a lot of right. cases. And then when they do ask for help, it's we have to be careful. If we're a person of affluence and abundance, yeah, that even in helping them, we don't shame them. Yeah, that we don't make them feel like, yeah, you got into this trouble, and yeah. I'm going to get you out of it. Right, that, that's not going to fly. Right. No, that's really good. All right, so a couple more here. Yeah. The blind spot of a person, a Christian, who has always lived comfortably in terms of affluence, wealth, yeah. et cetera. Um, get uncomfortable. <laughs> I, mean, yeah. I, I mean, literally, look, look at what you've been provided and do something absolutely wild and crazy. Mm-hmm. Not just, hey, I'm going to give my you know 10 or 15%, mm-hmm. but think about gigantic chunks of assets that you own. That's good. I think the, if, if you're raised, let's say you're raised in a Christian home, and your parents raised you with Christian values, and they also made sure to give you a comfortable life, mm-hmm. which isn't a bad thing. Yeah. I don't want I don't want my kids to my kid runs out of something, and I don't want them to hesitate to come ask me right. for more. Yeah. I don't want them to have a scarcity mindset around those yeah. things, right? Yeah. But um, what I'll have to navigate with them as well is that they understand that that's not a part of what it means to be a Christian. Yeah. To be comfortable is not a part of what it means to be a Christian. Right. I believe that so often God is inviting us into uncomfortable places. Yeah. And where we will, if we say yes, experience abundant life in him. Yeah. And so often yeah. we miss the boat. Yeah. And, um, and and we we miss the boat personally and others miss it as well. I mean the kingdom Yeah. You know, the kingdom of God is, yeah, it's God's kingdom, and he's the one in charge, and he's sovereign, and he can do whatever he wants. Mm-hmm. But we're citizens of this kingdom. Right. And so the, the kingdom is at a loss whenever we don't exercise this spirit of generosity and this sense of abundance that God had built into creation. And when we don't exercise it, all right, God's going to find another way right. to accomplish what he's going to accomplish. Right. But how much is lost, uh, how much time is lost right. in the process, and how much joy is lost in the process? Right. This is a different kind of example, yeah. but I I uh, had a friend who I basically reached out to, this was years ago, a decade ago now, but um, I reached out to him with the intentionality of saying, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to introduce this guy to Christ. I'm going to, quote, unquote, lead him to the Lord, right? Yeah, right. Um, and one conversation in, it was very clear to me that God was... God was going to do something. Um, and the rest of it was like, I was just along for the ride. Yeah. I couldn't have, yeah. I couldn't have messed it up if I wanted to. I didn't do a <laughs> yeah. particularly good job with yeah. it. Yeah. Um, and uh, I, I have no, I deserve no credit for what happened. I really yeah. believe that. Yeah. But I have the joy of those experiences that I got yeah. to walk through right. yep. um, with that guy and yep. a relationship now that is forever changed because of that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so I, I want people to like to hear in that the idea that we have opportunities to to take leaps yep. and do things, and that wasn't even that big a one. It was it was awkward. It was you right. know, yep. um, but the to to not bear the burden yeah. of um, of what's going to happen if I don't do this. God's right, going right. to do what God's going to do. Right. Um, but if He's inviting you along for the ride, yeah. Did, can we trust that that's the best, like that is not just for eternity, but for yeah. our life on earth, that is the right decision every time. Yeah. Even yeah. if we can't see 
yeah. even if we can't see how that's going to be better. Yeah. You know, and that's, you know, that is kind of that, yeah. that key question, the rich young ruler, he couldn't trust. Yep. He couldn't trust that Jesus's way was going to be better. Right. Right. Yeah. And I'll, and I'll, you know, maybe conclude this with a story I'll share. When I was in college, it was a counselor at a boys camp in upstate New York and I uh, got to be friends with one of the other counselors, really good friends. And uh, it was the last night before camp was over and we were going to go home. So we're, we're sitting on a rock talking after all of our campers were in, in the cabin asleep. And I said, so, you know, what's up, you know, this coming semester? Because we, we were going to be seniors. And he said, well, I, I don't think I can go back to school. I said, no, oh, why not? He said, I, I don't have enough money. He was, uh, mm. His mom was a single mom and um, didn't have anything. So... Next day before we left, uh, I gave him my paycheck from the summer. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that was, that's all I had. I didn't have any <laughs> sure. money in savings, but I gave it to him because he needed it. And not, not as a prideful thing. It was just, that's what the spirit led me to do. Um, he was able to finish college, went on to seminary, ended up um, pastoring large church in Colorado Springs, uh, Washington, D.C., uh, and now is uh, president of a, of a seminary. Mm. And I think about that process, but in between all of that, and I was sharing this story actually at a fundraising event to encourage people to give to this ministry. Yeah. Um, and afterwards, this person came up and he, he said, are you talking about so-and-so? Yeah. I only mentioned the first name, Craig. Are you talking about so-and-so? I said, uh, yeah, actually. Do you know him? He said, yeah. He said, I had a, I had a starting a ministry to at-risk kids in Madison, and I'd go to every single church trying to raise support for this thing. Mm. And I, I couldn't get anybody to support it. But then I went to his church, and he not only got his church to support, but then he took me around to all the other pastors and, and said, said hey, to support this yeah, guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he said, and my wife was seriously ill a few years later, and, and he was the only guy that showed up in my church, and I didn't even go to his church. Yeah. And that's who he was. So I, I recognized that. That's that step of faith of a 21 year old to give up everything had this ripple effect and God gave me a chance to see it on this side of eternity. Yeah. What kind of thing happens when you exercise the spirit of generosity? Yeah, that is a great, that's a great story for closing. Thank you so much for uh, spending some time with us, Steve. And uh, for everyone listening, just an encouragement tying back to what we've been talking about for months now is when we root things out of our life that aren't of Christ and replace those with more of the way of Jesus, with more of the truth of God's word. What we want to be is a people who trust that that's going to be better, even when those things make us feel secure, even when those things are things that we feel like we rely on. When we replace them with Jesus, we believe that that abundant life that Jesus calls us into is going to be better um, in this life and in eternity. And so, yeah, just encourage you today to walk that out and to trust in that in whatever ways that applies to your finances. Again, Steve, thanks so much and thanks everyone for listening.